Welcome to the Growing Home Podcast, where we hope to inspire you to lead a life of slow living, nourishing food, family culture, homemaking, and homesteading. This is where we cultivate new skills and fortify our joy alongside you. We put them out in different orders, too. Good morning. Hello. I'm here with you today. I'm Evan, one of your co-hosts with my best friend, Lauren, and we're going to chat chickens. We get a lot of questions, each of us, about owning chickens. A lot of people are chicken curious, thinking about getting their own little flock for their yard or whatever. And we just thought we would come on and answer some of those questions and give some of our favorite tips. So we're going to start here. We've arrived at the adult chicken phase. That means that your chicken is at laying age and she is at least five months old. That's usually when they start to lay their first egg around five months. Pretty exact at five months, I would say, wouldn't you? I've been getting them at four months from some of mine. Okay, four. Okay. So four to five months, Mm -hmm. your chicken will start laying eggs. That's where we're going to start. And so Mm -hmm. you raise them, they're alive. Good job. Some of them probably died. (laughs) Yep. And more of them will die. We're just going to go ahead and warn you about that many of that's them one of my, that's one of my points I guess I don't I wasn't planning to start episode. with that but yeah. that's totally one of my points. this episode all you need to know is that your chickens will die and the, the end episode there we go that's it expect it <laughs> okay yeah so and we can do a team. whole separate um we're planning to do a separate episode about like getting chicks where you're gonna where you might want to get them from raising them all those things yeah there's lots of options there too yes Okay, okay, so Lauren, what's your first tip that comes to mind? Okay, well, I, I, I guess it's not really a tip. It's just like absolute basics. Like the three things that you need when you are ha- when you have chickens. You need food for them. You need a good shelter. And then obviously they need a source of water, right? So if we're going like super basic level, you, can, you, you probably are going to want to decide what you're going to want to feed them, where you're going to be getting that from. If it's from a local store, if you're going to be ordering it. Um there's a lot of different ways that you can do the watering system. There's the nipple water drinkers. Those are my favorite for raising chicks and for chickens. But now that we have ducks, we just have like a pool that the chickens mostly drink from. Uh, a lot of people just do bowls. Like there's lots of different options there. So kind of educating yourself about those two options, what your plan is to do for water and for food. There's pros and cons for kind of all the different options and then shelter because uh, this kind of ties into my next point so I guess I'll just loop these together which is that everything wants to eat chickens um you know like they're delicious they can't fly they're pretty dumb <laughs> um and they're easy to eat so any predators right like feral dogs owls. and sometimes feral cat did you say cows owls sorry oh. <laughs> cows um dunks <laughs> yeah owls raccoons um you know uh, snakes i have heard of them killing chickens but mostly they'll want to get in your coop and eat your eggs um ra- i've heard of rats even like going in and killing small oh, chickens yeah. chicks so, especially yeah yeah chicks especially so really like make some people have free range their chickens and it's not they're gonna have a big flock and it's not really gonna be that big of an issue for them to lose some to predators we've kind of toyed with that idea of just leaving them out more and just accepting that we're going to have more predator loss, but we really fortified our coop and that was a priority for us where, or actually the run that's the coop is in the run. So um, yeah, fortifying that to the level that you're comfortable 
keeping them um and wanting however safe you're really wanting them to be that's like those those are kind of like my three main things food shelter water so what do you feed your chickens i think me and you feed them the same yeah feed actually we both feed them from a local mill uh it's like a local organic mill that produces chicken feed but i don't think you can get it anywhere outside this area do you think they don't so, ship it right uh, i don't i don't know how far they ship it honestly uh, okay. You usually want to try to get local because it is very expensive to move grain just because mm-hmm. it's so heavy. So at various points, we have done different things. Ordered from Azure Standard. If we're ever in a pinch and we don't have a lot of time to organize a pickup, we'll do that kind of a pickup. And it'll make sense why driving somewhere to meet for an Azure pickup can be more uh, make more sense. We often, well, a few times now, have gone and, and purchased a ton of grain, a literal ton. Yeah. And so they scoop it into your, your truck bed, basically into a, like a, a contain, like a $15 tote. It's only $15. I can't believe that. It's just this big mesh tote thing that wow. holds it all, but it's like an hour and a half away. We have trucks. It makes sense. It's a lot cheaper when you do it that way. You just need to be able to store it so it won't get wet and right. to be able to go through it quickly. You don't really right. want grain to sit for months on end. Right. So yeah, we've done it that way, but um, we've so confirmed ours. There oh, yes, have been we times do when we yeah, I thought so. I was wondering. There have been times when we're and you know having a busy week and it doesn't make sense or whatever, but pretty much every time we feed them, it's at least been soaked, if not started to ferment. Yeah, and so you just cover it with water. Like we put ours in a bucket, we scoop the next day's um, amount for feed into a bucket, and then we cover it with water, stir it up. We usually add kelp. Um, you can add other things if you want ACV sometimes we'll talk about later like health tricks for chickens but and then after a full day here in Texas it's fermenting that's what we do too we just I keep it on the kitchen counter and it's bubbling by the next morning it smells kind of like like a bit sour like sourdough it's I like it yeah Uh, yeah we when we first started we were ordering scratch and peck that is a Me really too. good quality feed. So, you know, if you have a re- if you have a really small flock and cost is not really much of an issue, then I would recommend that one, especially for the ease of getting it delivered. But uh, yeah, we, we just buy our current one from a local feed store. Coyote uh, Creek. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Coyote Creek is what we feed them. Yeah, yeah if you're in the area. And oh, we get the, um, you can get pellets or you can get like the, what's it called mm. when it's just scratch scratch I guess and you want to okay well I forgot we need to go into this a little bit protein content so I would just look up where your chicken is at in their growth Mm -hmm. process when they're chicks they need a different protein ratio when they're a little older you can change that and so you don't want to just get the bag that's called scratch usually because that's often not protein rich it's more carb heavy so you're going to want to get a layer feed. It's going to say like layer right. feed and we don't Complete usually get the layer feed. Complete. Yes. You don't need to get pellets. A lot of people like pellets. We soak ours. It doesn't really matter to us. The pellets can be more expensive. They're a little more mm-hmm. processed. So naturally costs more. We just get the crumble. I think it's called crumble. Crumble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you soak it, because there, you know, when when you're not soaking it, you're losing a lot of that like little dusty grain that's been ground finely. <laughs> yeah. But when you soak it, they end up mostly eating all of that anyway. And um, if anyone has ducks or is interested in having ducks, usually once ducks are adults, this is just a tiny side note, they can eat the same feed as chickens. You just need to add um, like a B supplement essentially. So you need to give them um, 
why am I blanking on what it is? Oh, brewer's yeast. So we just add brewer's yeast into our food and it's good for the chickens too, but the ducks need it so that they don't, it's like a niacin deficiency that they get and they will develop, develop like, like they'll become essentially disabled. Their legs will start, stop working. So it's a must for ducks and just a benefit for chickens. That's cool. I didn't know that. I love that. And okay, why do we soak it? We soak it to free nutrients, make it more digestible. It's just not super natural to eat a dehydrated grain for like any animal. Yeah. And if that's all you have time to do, I th- they're going to be fine and you're going to want to yeah. supplement them with other food too, but yeah. we just think it's better for them, easier for them to digest. And it's a way to maximize hydration for them, which is really important in Texas. And like Lauren said, chickens aren't necessarily the smartest. They also don't seem to have the greatest will to live a lot of yeah. time, not trying to be insensitive, but for instance, if one is feeling kind of ill and you haven't noticed it and it stops drinking water, it will die from that. So when we soak the feed, it's kind of like an insurance policy that they won't dehydrate. Yeah, true. Yeah. And I guess to kind of finish up on food, uh, I know we both feed our chickens pretty much all of our scraps oh, too. Yeah. So they're getting a ton of chick- uh, kitchen scraps. I give them basically everything. I don't really give them onion. I'm trying to think of something else I don't give them, but I give them meat. I give them I give them basically everything. And then they also, both of our chickens, I think, free range most of the time. So okay. they're getting like grass and different plants and bugs and they're catching grasshoppers and stuff. So it's the feed. You can just have them confined and just eating feed, but it's better for them to have a variety of options. I think most of you know, but if, I mean, Lauren just gave it away too. Chickens are not vegetarians by nature. Mm-hmm. They are scavenger creatures, so they love meat. I think oh, my yes. chickens get most excited for blueberry snacks and liver. Like they just, mm-hmm. I mean, they're pretty excited about anything, literally anything. You you can walk by with a wrapper and they're, <laughs> but they, they love meat. And um, you can play around if you're like worried about the expense of chickens with different ways to feed them just solely from your kitchen. You can do things like grind their eggshells back into a powder and feed them so that they replenish their calcium and all the other nutrients that are in the eggshell. Um, but you want to just to touch on that real quick. You want to grind it up so they don't recognize it as an eggshell because you do not want to encourage them to start eating their own eggs. Cause once you do that, it's really hard to train them out of it. And you're likely going to just want to in that yeah. flock and start new no so problem. yeah it's good to give them back parts of their eggs but you just want to make sure they don't look like eggs and it is yeah. good to supplement them with different foods so like in the winter we're coming into I love to give them lard it's like extra vitamin d it's full of nutrients it's really um calorically dense so they stay warmer you know it's mm-hmm. just helpful yeah, the only treat that I buy for them specifically is black soldier fly larva. I would love to eventually have like a f- little farm doing it, but it seems like it takes <laughs> so much work to get a small amount. Um, And I just get this big bulk bag and it lasts me a really long time. And I have them trained to follow me. So like they hear the shaking and then they'll all like follow me into the run if I need to put them away. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, that's, that's a great the treat that I give them that's specifically for them. <laughs> Lauren, you're not going to believe what yesterday. I didn't do it, so I guess it's, it's still believable, but we were driving by a freshly killed squirrel on the road, mm-hmm. and then I was in my church clothes, and I was like, Mason, should we grab that for the chickens? <laughs> he was like, if I you want to pick it up, I was like, I'm wearing a new dress. I don't think we can pick up the dress. I should have to take can. a video of you. You can harvest Farm fresh growing. or honestly older, but I would just wouldn't because, I mean, yeah. we, them, we don't want that near the house, but if you see a fresh dead animal and you don't want to waste it, I know that's kind of weird for a lot of people, but yeah. you could. 
put it in with them and they'll eat it. Yeah, they would definitely eat it. I've thrown eat it. Whole oh, I just gave them my pumpkins. Them. Yeah. yeah, they, they love that. Did mm-hmm. you do the carving? I want to do that one Anyway. No, Trevor was begging me to do it. I'm like, we don't have time. I'm like throwing them out and stabbing the pumpkins just enough to get the chickens to be able to get inside. Yeah. There's that uh, Okay. Yeah. And one of my points, you know, I, I don't want to say it because I don't, I'm, I don't want to be too sarcastic, but they definitely don't have a very strong will to live, you know, like, like Evan said. So you, my other, my other point Okay, that, that might not be true. I have one chicken, my flock queen, who has been on the brink of death three times and is just, like, determined to survive. But That's then I great. have others that they just, like, they, it seems like they don't feel well and they just stop eating and, like, they don't, you know, they're not. Ethel was just like, I am living, you know? She's mm-hmm. determined. But most of them, it Her seems name. as though, especially compared to my ducks, which are very hardy just seemingly like healthy robust animals it seems like a chicken will just be healthy and then the next day they're just I know like super sick right um so I guess that kind of ties into my last point too which is that you're going to be forced to get really comfortable with death Mm -hmm. in a new way Trevor actually just had to call call is kind of a fancy way of saying like a mercy kill like a euthanizing essentially um one of my we have a little one <laughs> okay one second <laughs> you want, okay you want to i'll talk about one? that for a minute yeah so i can pick up where lauren was because that is true and i thought about that before i started this podcast it might sound like we're insensitive talking about their will to live and how they're gonna die we've just had to find ways to cope <laughs> with how uh life on the farm is and i think humor is one of those ways because there will be unexpected horrors and you will feel them deeply. And I think it helps us um, just in our personalities, Lauren and I, to kind of roll with the punches and laugh afterwards. We cry, we feel it. We're going to cry when we remember it later, but to also just um, recognize that it's normal. So I, I think it's good to expect in what we've read and heard and have seen now in our own life, having chickens, to expect like a, a decent percentage of your flock to die off within a year do you know what percent you would say we lost six adult chickens out of maybe 18 or something I think that was high there was some outstanding circumstances for a couple of them but I'm calculating that into our next year yeah (laughs) um I imagine that yeah that's yeah that seems pretty expect 10 percent to a quarter every time yeah, I feel that's true. And also, I, I kind of think that maybe once they make it past like their adolescence into year one and two, there maybe their immune systems build up a little bit because I don't know. That's just a theory because it seems like a lot to me, but they were all like young-ish chickens and they just they just go so fast. Um, yeah, okay, sorry, I had to step away, but Trevor just recently had to call one of my original favorites from my original flock, Laura Ingalls, and I was telling him after because, you know, I felt kind of sad about it, Um, and obviously, like, it's, you never want your animals to die, I mean, you know, they're, like, they're kind of like pets to me, I, I don't, some of them, some of them are kind of like pets to me, especially, you know, like Laura and Winter, Um, and so it's sad and then also they're producing eggs for you and you don't want to have to like raise new chicks and stuff too so it's unfortunate in that way but 
it didn't it didn't rock my world like I wasn't distraught and devastated I I respect like we we buried her we said our respects like we always you know respect our animals when they die um but had that happened like right after I got Mm -hmm. my birds you know it would have been such a different experience and it's only been I don't know a year and a couple months or something since I got my chickens and just in that year because not only have we lost the six adult chickens but chicks and ducklings like those guys are so fragile those guys just and especially if they're shipped or they're coming from a big factory like you just pretty much I mean Evan can attest to this too when you get chicks or ducks we don't have to go into it but you can anticipate the previous episodes yes (laughs) where Lauren's talking about the dog tax and I'm talking about boxes shipped of dead chicken horrible stuff yeah horrible stuff so um yeah anyways that's just adults so the the first deaths they they were really upsetting to me and and I think I had a different idea of how I was going to really like bond with each individual chicken and like all these things and now I see them I really respect them I appreciate them but I do see them more as farm animals and even some of my newer ones like they don't even have all specific names and you know um and I think there's just yeah hardening that happens but it's not so much like oh I feel really desensitized to the death but it's just I just see it in a new way like it's just it's just part of it it's something I have to accept if I want to do this and um I mean there is a a sense of I guess becoming a little desensitized because you can't really be the same level of sensitive when something's happening every other month or something um so and I think that's a good thing like I feel super comfortable now saying that I would be able to do meat chickens like that feels super fine for me and if I would have said that a year ago like you know I said that I don't think I'd be able to do that yeah no so it's like the experience you just and I don't think you have to go into it feeling really good about it it's just something that kind of comes over time it's I think it's it's a gift and I think it's good to give it to our kids too we don't have we could go into a whole other episode about that but I think it's a good experience for kids to to experience that'd be a great episode I want to hear about that yeah, and I think you're right. It's like you can trust the process. You, I was worried about that when I moved to the farm. I remember telling you that all the time. Am yeah. I going to become hard? I want my heart to stay soft, and it does stay soft. Um, and you do feel a lot of grief, but I think the adaptation is a gift. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I just have two more short points. Um, that one that you might not know is that egg production slows a lot in the heat and in the cold. So depending on your climate. For us, my egg production from my chickens, I'm going to, I'm going to do a whole episode comparing chickens and ducks, but for me, my chickens slowed a lot in summer. Was that true for you, Evan? Oh yeah. We had huge heat issues for a little bit there. And that's also when they're more susceptible to different illnesses. Anytime they're stressed by the temperature Mm -hmm. and if they're cold and and wet, they'll die. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, uh, so, so that's just something to be mindful of. If you live in a place that's really cold, they're going to slow a lot in winter, or if it's really dark, they're going to slow a lot. They slow pretty much anywhere in winter, I think, but more so in really cold, dark places. And then in summer, if it's really hot, um, and then something to look into probably before you get them is what kind of bedding method you want to do. If you want to be shoveling and removing all your bedding in your run or in your coop or whatever it is, or if you're just going to, you know, have it bare or if you're going to do deep bedding we do deep bedding that's a really easy way to just um you're creating compost and you are not shoveling out a bunch of chicken poop every day you're only cleaning it out two to three times a year and you're just continuously adding more and more bedding and it and no it does not just, smell 
it doesn't smell no and it composts itself if it's smelling then they're doing something wrong you have a slight imbalance and you probably just need to clean it out and start over or add a ton more shavings so mm. yeah i mean you have anything else that you want to touch on oh, about them? i guess i would just say that is like pine shavings usually like you just yeah, go usually. to the store yeah. and get or you can call a mill mm-hmm. um i wanted to say what was oh I wanted to touch right now as we're changing seasons, just like we do with our families, I like to do stuff at the turn of the season to try to encourage health. Mm -hmm. So right now they're getting extra fruit and they're getting ACV in their water. And um, what else? That's that's about it. I don't do that much for them sometimes. Oh, we're adding supplements like more kelp right now. And I'm probably going to do some eggshells ground really soon to try to help with calcium. We have some like free minerals that we give them carefully and um, grit I'll throw grit into their pastures so we move them to fresh grass every few days they have like an electric netting that's around them usually Mason does that and we have chick shaws so if you're curious about shelter we probably won't go into shelter right now there's so many different options but if you just want to get started and look into something and, and go down a rabbit hole look up Justin Rhodes chick shaw on YouTube that's mm-hmm. what we have multiple of and we use um, and you have like a stable coop that has deep bedding, which deep bedding is super cool. So look into videos of that too, if you're curious about that. Yeah, we have a chick shot in our 40 by 10 run. Yeah, you came and got mm-hmm. it. We, we got mm-hmm. it for free from a different farm mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, it just needed some repairs. And then we had extra and Lauren and Trevor came and they got to use it and repaired it and made it look new. <laughs> it looks beautiful now. I don't know about new, but <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. No, it's anyway, great. Yeah. It's worked great for over a year now. Uh, yeah. Oh, I- I guess yeah. I was going to say some people are really worried about, I know we just talked about how fragile they are and how easily they die. I personally think it's all whatever you want to do, your prerogative, but I am not overly gentle with them with what I throw out food wise. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, are really fearful of, oh, this has a little mold on it, or this is a little bit old, or they don't eat avocados or whatever. I pretty much throw anything out there. Yeah. yeah. And if they don't, if they don't want it, like, if it's not good for them, I find that they typically won't eat it. Yeah, they're not going to eat orange peels or avocado yeah. pits, so I don't worry too too much. Yeah, yeah, I, and and you touched on supplements. I could I could talk. We could we could maybe do this just as a part two. Like, I there's supplements and and just like medicines that we I use talk about for that. them. Yeah, I've done chicken when, surgery. You've done a lot of saving. You're the one that's done the chicken surgery. Yeah, but you're the one who saved, actually saved ones that were, I don't know, paralyzed and stuff. So, okay, yeah. I did treat a broken leg. (laughs) Yeah, and we had a bone like a a Yeah, we're we're learning. Um, We're learning. Yeah, yeah. we'll talk about disabled chickens and chicken illness and treatment. How about that? That sounds fun. That sounds fun. We're learning. We are not, we're not experts on any of this, but especially not the treating chickens. I have lost a lot of chickens that we tried to nurse, nurse back to health. Also, I think maybe it's just worth saying, like, some people see vets for their chickens. Some people just completely let them die. They don't try to do anything. I'd say we're kind of somewhere in, in between. Like I don't. Neither of us have seen vets for them. Um, it's just one of those things that you would need to be very wealthy to be able to afford doing that a lot. And they probably <laughs> um, die anyway. And they probably die anyway. So um, yeah, we just we try to do as much as we can at home, and then yeah, being open to like mercy killing because for me it feels more important that they're not suffering for long periods of time rather than me like trying to do everything till the very last moment. It's sort of where I kind of cut it off. Like with Laura, is if she was making effort to like eat and drink and be out of the coop, then I was trying, and then as soon as she wasn't 
eating um and she wasn't making an effort to drink and she was just staying under the coop like that that day that was my my sign like okay she doesn't she doesn't really have a will to live anymore so that's kind of where I have been drawing the line I think you're better at that than I am and I'm gonna try to learn from you and Mason he recently when I was out of the house just went ahead and killed two chickens that I was like feeding (laughs) that needed to go one was blind from a disease and like it was just bad yeah. I was grateful to him, but also like, oh, I probably would have just let them suffer forever. Anyway, yeah. you want to do high low buffalo or I'll, oh, yeah. whatever. You can, you can start. Okay. So we're going to keep, we're doing a new thing where we're going to keep the high low buffalo really short. We can over explain that sometimes. So anyway, yeah. my high is that I will be getting a car of some sort, be it used or new in the next week, I think. And that, that can be exciting and fun in some ways. And then my low will be paying for that car. <laughs> um, definitely they're expensive right now. And then I think my Buffalo is that I'm starting a new line of work this next week. It was kind of unexpected until recently and feels like new and big and good in a lot of ways. And also there's going to be a lot of changes in my schedule. You know, I've been kind of a jack of all trades lately. So for a long time. Anyway, I'll have a schedule. That's my high low buffalo. Yes, that's a good one. It's funny because my my themes are the same, like cars and work. You know? Like, I don't know how that happens. Life. Okay, my high is that you guys know that, I think, that you got Trevor's been, Trevor's been opening, like, a new restaurant. And so he's working all the time. But my high is that he's had a little bit more flexibility in his schedule than I had imagined. Like, he's gotten home a couple hours earlier than I was anticipating. So, I don't know if that's going to continue through the next six weeks. But it's nice because we have nights together. So, even though I'm solo parenting the entire day, five days a week, five days in a row, um, which is really intense. And he doesn't really see the kids. He did see them for, like, 45 minutes one night and then an hour the other night. And, and it's just been yeah, a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more seeing him than I had imagined. And it always gives me a really nice perspective and appreciation for like our normal schedule because he is so involved in the kids in a way that I think a lot of dads aren't able to be because they work until the evening. So that's my high. My low is that my car, I still don't have my car back two months after the accident. Um, so that obviously kind of stinks and we had to get a rental car. And then my Buffalo is that we've been waiting for this part for two months. They said they couldn't do anything else. And then we get a call basically saying, oh, doesn't look like we need the part. Actually, Trevor called. Doesn't it look like you're going to need the part after all. You might get it back in the next couple of days. We're like, what? You guys have had my car for two months. So I don't know. It's like mixed feelings because obviously I want it back, you know, but it's also like we just spent hundreds of dollars on a rental car because we didn't think we were going to have it. And it's been sitting there like for months. So I don't know. I'm trying to just like look forward and be like, well, at least I'm going to get it back and I'm not going to have to drive Trevor's little car anymore. And I'm going to appreciate my mom car so much more again as if it's new, but um, it's very odd. You know, it's just like, why? You know, it's so, so, so much of the bureaucracy, like bureaucracy of these things just makes no sense because mm. it's like the way that they're describing how everything works. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense because you guys are clearly having everyone's cars for way longer than needed if you don't even know, you know, what's going to be needed on the car and you're not starting and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I'm not a mechanic, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren likes to go out with the kids a lot, so it's been hard for 
It's not it needed has. to. It has. And then we got the rental car. I'm like, well, at least I can go out now. And now I have to try to see when we can pick up my car. Cause obviously Trevor's working all day, every day. And if we can get the rental car back and try to get some money back. I don't know. And I can't just a lot of moving I don't pieces. have my car. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, and I obviously I can't go pick it up because I have the kids. I can't really Uber with the car. It's just. But you know what? We usually have cars. That's pretty cool. Exactly. <laughs> no, it really that. makes me feel so much grateful. I, like more grateful. I, like, I thought like, well, maybe I'd want to get a, I have a pretty big vehicle. I have like a mid-sized three-row SUV. I'm like, maybe I'd want to get a bigger car in a few years. And now I told Trevor, I'm like, I'm never going to complain again. Promise. And not <laughs> that I complain. I've always loved my Explorer, but you know, it's hard to not be like, well, maybe this could be a better fit at some point, you know? Well, Lauren's a car person. I love cars. Which I'm going to do an episode yeah. on it. Evan yeah. said I need a new episode on it. I'm going Thank to. You. But um, Thank you yeah, so it's good. I, I do feel really grateful. I don't, and we don't ever want to seem like we're complaining. We know that these like lows are so trivial. And I, I just like appreciate that about our lives so much that we really do have everything that we need and more. Um, And the things that are hard are, they're not that hard. You know, they're, they can be hard. They feel hard in the moment, but they're not the big you know what I mean you yeah know, like, you guys know that we're, we're we're grateful I think I hope you know that I hope you do know that it's just fun to do the high low buffalo it's not to not to be complaining about some low in our life it's usually supposed to be funny yeah <laughs> just an insight into what's real for us when I remind like yeah I, I think it's easy for us sometimes to listen to podcasts and and read people's stories and think that their lives are completely different than ours yeah. so the high low buffalo is meant to show you that we're living the same Day to day, probably everyone listening is having work and cars and silly things and work and schedule changes and needing mm-hmm. money, all those mm-hmm. things. So need money, need money. Okay, I'm gonna close us in prayer, and we'll see you next week. Okay, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to spend such nourishing time together, chatting about the wonderful things that we get to explore and attempt to do and pursue and have and for all the animals that you let us steward and caretake we thank you for the eggs they've blessed us with and we pray that we've offered some sort of helpful information to anyone out there who's curious about starting their own flock we pray that instead of scaring them away with chicken death we encourage them that they can do this it's not that hard and i i also pray frankly that a lot of flocks are started soon because of some part of this episode and an inspiration someone has and um, a desire you've laid on their heart to expand their food sourcing for their family. I thank you for Lauren and I's friendship and I thank you for the cars we're about to be able to drive and our ability to go places when we want to and I pray for everybody's safety as we go into this next week and that you would bless anyone listening right now. I love you in Jesus name I pray. Amen. All right. We'll see you Thanks, next guys. Week. <laughs> see right. ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that it's brought value into your lives. For a minute here, I'm going to share about some things that have brought value into our lives. We've chosen just a couple of sponsors this season, and these are companies that we trust that we use in our daily lives and that we feel confident about bringing to you. The first company is Purity Coffee. Now I love this coffee and there are a couple of things that set it apart. The first is how they test their coffee for mold. As many of us know, as coffee is processed, it often molds. And so this is an important part of the process. If you listen to the podcast, you know that Lauren and I have both gone through extensive journeys with mold 
And so because this is a staple for my family, it's very important that when I sit down for a cup of coffee, I know it's not a steaming hot cup of mold. I've never found another coffee company that's more forthcoming or honest about this process. The second thing is the taste. Their beans are not over roasted, which I find to be super rare. They retain their flavor and complexity, and I just really appreciate that. It makes it a really enjoyable part of my day.